Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it at long last. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham. Joined, not always, but he's back. Colby Powell's joining me. Colby is fresh off of a a ski trip and also has big career news. Colby, it's good to be back with you. It is good to be back, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to get out to the mountain for a few days. It was a lot warmer there than it is here today with all the snow on the ground. But uh, yeah. It's a beautiful day. Got some exciting things happening. So glad to be back. Ellis, tell the listeners, uh, you made an announcement today on Twitter about a, a new career for you. Just uh, announced for the uh, podcast what you got going on. And it's, uh, it's truly exciting. So let, let the listeners know. Yeah, Monday is actually my first day working with Golf Channel, which is somewhat of a dream of mine as a golf nut and a golf nerd. Golf Channel has been a huge part of my life for a long time. So Monday, I start working as an editor. I'll be working on the website, producing content for golfchannel.com and getting things up there and working with that awesome team. So really looking forward to getting going there. Well, that's, we're now two for two on, on podcast co-hosts that now work in the, <laughs> the golf industry for, for golf networks. Kyle Porter moves on to CBS covering golf. Now you're at golf channel. I'm just, uh, I'm just the low man on the totem pole. Now I don't get to cover <laughs> golf day in, day out. Well, that's funny. So Kyle, obviously very successful. And uh, I hope I can get to a place in my career where Kyle's at. Uh, I will be the low man on the totem pole for a while at Golf Channel, but still really excited to get going. And uh, yeah, Carson, I guess you need to boost up the resume and start sending it out to the golf outlets because for whatever reason, they like they like to see pistols firing on the resume. So now this is this is a remote job. You're not moving to Ponte Vedra PGA headquarters <laughs> or Connecticut where Golf Channel is now located, are you? I am not moving to Florida. I'm not moving to Connecticut. It is a remote position, so fits in perfectly with uh, us starting a family here in Oklahoma and good time for it to happen. So it, it's all just coming together just about right. Yeah, that's awesome. Happy for you. And uh, we're going to continue to do the podcast together. We'll have to work around your new schedule. You've been good working around my new schedule. So we got a lot going on here with, with the show. And we also have a lot to catch up on Oklahoma state wise. I did, I did a solo pod over the weekend, but we got a lot more news to discuss with Colby. But first let's hear from Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at Chris university spirit.com. Stop by Chris's if you're on campus and uh, I know they got a lot of specials going on right now with the spring wear coming into fashion. Although it's 27 degrees right now, currently in Oklahoma, not exactly spring weather, but you definitely want to stop over there and get the latest and freshest gear as you go out to uh, softball and baseball games this spring. So we appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast as always. Well, Colby, no big 12 tournament for Oklahoma state, obviously the NCAA ban uh, put a nix on that, but Mike Boynton was on set at the big 12 tournament doing some TV work uh, shades of, of Mike Gundy on the uh, playoff broadcasts, but he had some interesting comments kind of wrapping up the season and, Colby, we don't we don't know what's going to happen with the transfer portal, but it sure seemed like like Mike was pretty adamant that uh, there's going to be a lot of changes and whatever changes may come that they're going to have to just roll with the punches. Yeah, and you know that's just kind of part of it in modern collegiate athletics, and I think we kind of expected after the season that we saw at Oklahoma State 
some guys would be out, and I don't think everybody's going to be out, but there will definitely be some guys uh, who move on to other places. We saw Donovan Williams post his thing the other day about hopping in the portal. That one, I think, was very expected. You know, he's player of the year in Nebraska, comes in. You know, he's averaging 30 points a game his senior year uh, in, in high school. Then he comes to Oklahoma State. He's injured his freshman year, doesn't get any playing time his sophomore year. That one was pretty much expected, I think. They're really, Carson, throughout the season – I think we noticed it was there were so many guys of equal talent level across the board that it was just like, oh, you've got the hot hand. You're playing 27 minutes tonight. Oh, you're not feeling it tonight. You're getting four minutes. It's there were almost too many mouths to feed and you didn't have that one superstar. You didn't have the Cade to tie it all together and to be the glue. So then all the other guys, it was just. Mike Boynton trying to figure out who was hot on a particular night and give his team the best chance to win. I think he did the best that he could, piecing it together. Obviously, it was great to get the win in the last game of the season against Texas Tech. Uh, I've been gone for a while, so I I missed the whole end of basketball season. But that was a nice way to close it off. I do expect that there will be a bunch of guys hop in the portal. But that's modern collegiate athletics. That's college basketball. And, you know, things just haven't gone the way that they were supposed to go at Oklahoma State. But I still trust that Mike Boynton is the guy to get it done. It's It's been so chaotic and hectic, his time at Oklahoma State, with getting Cade, having the one good year, and then the NCAA pulling the crap that they pulled last summer. It just It's been odd, and hopefully now that we're past it, Carson, things can stabilize and normalize because that's what this program needs. Yeah, the, the season with Cade, feels so long ago that on my solo pod I mentioned that they that they didn't win a tournament game because they lost to Oregon State and about about a thousand people reached out to me to remind me that Kate Cunningham did get a tournament win against Liberty so <laughs> that's how long ago it seems I kind of forgot they even won a game in the tournament because how how this season's gone and and things of that nature but Mike Boynton says quote my job is to make sure the people in that office up there are doing the necessary things to be prepared for whatever happens I don't expect to have 12 new faces, but if we have 12 new faces, we'll try to have 12 really good new faces. (laughs) So that kind of shows you just the level of upheaval that could occur, not only with the transfer portal, Colby, but guys like Musa Cisse could test the NBA waters. We know Avery Anderson did that last year. We don't know his status. We don't know Isaac Likely's, although Isaac Likely, I guess, went through senior day. So all signs kind of point to him maybe calling it a career, but there's a lot of moving parts. Um, I guess just for you, Colby, just, where do you sit with, with Mike Boynton? I talked a lot about him on my solo pod. Just where are you at with him and in, in the direction of the program? Yeah, I think to me, I look more to recruit to recruiting than I look to what happened on the floor this year. It was such a weird year. There were highs, there were lows. You beat some of the best teams in the conference and subsequently some of the best teams in the country. And then you lost some games that are just, I mean, brutal heartbreakers, uh, found some tough ways to lose and lost to some teams that you probably shouldn't have. But Again, you're not playing for anything. It was a lame duck season that we we all tried to make us feel like as important of a season as we could, but we all knew it was lame duck. So I'll, I'll be looking at the next couple of months. Carson will tell me more about Mike Boynton and his power to get this program back to where it needs to be because the reality is, I mean, you look at a guy like Scott Drew down at Baylor, right? Forever, Scott Drew was just the guy who could recruit, but it wasn't turning into those on-court wins. But Baylor had patience with him. Baylor let him continue to accrue some of these recruiting classes, not jump the gun and get somebody else in there too soon because they felt like he was their guy. And eventually, he delivered, and all that talent turned into the on-court success that you would hope to have. So I think that as long as Mike Boynton can continue to recruit 
at a high level, I think he's going to be fine. Um, I, I do think in the next couple of years, we need to see the program stabilize and, and we need to see it turn into some on-court success. But I'm certainly not ready to jump the gun at this point because, uh, again, his grade is still kind of – I mean, the way he's handled everything is an A. In terms of winning basketball games, I, I still think his grade's an I, Carson. I still think it's incomplete. He's, he's had one year where – there wasn't something that went wrong. You know, he comes in and has to dismiss a bunch of guys. And then and then Cade comes in and everything's good. And then the NCAA brings down the hammer. It's just, I, I think I'm still giving him an eye as far as the actual on-court success and that part of it. Uh, I, I think it's just still incomplete. Well, we're on the same page. You didn't listen to the solo pod by chance, did you? I did not listen to the solo pod. Did I echo your sentiments? I made the exact same comparison to Scott Drew. And... I'm on <laughs> the same great. page with you. It reminds me so much of that. You know, Scott Drew recruiting long mm-hmm. athletic dudes and just five stars after five stars, and the results weren't there. And everyone was like, Scott Drew can't coach. Now I'm getting mentions from OSU fans being like, Cade Cunningham is the only thing this guy's ever done and, and things of that nature. And I'm totally with you that just keep letting these recruiting classes stack on top of one another over and over and over. And eventually it's going to work out. I mean, that's just that's what happened with Scott Drew. I think Scott Drew also grew as a coach. I think you're going to see the same thing happen with Mike Boynton. We saw that with Mike Gundy. He had to kind of grow into the role as a head coach early on in his tenure. And I think any, I'll even make a cross-sport comparison for you, Colby. It reminds me a lot of Dabo Swinney. When Dabo Swinney took over at Clemson, Clemson was not, you know, they were a very middle-of-the-pack ACC team. And Dabo Swinney was a young, young head coach. And you could tell he wasn't a very good coach early on. Because I followed ACC football because I'm a Florida State fan. And he kept getting these just elite recruiting classes. And everyone else was kind of like, how's he? Why are they going there? Like, I can't coach. Well, you see what he's turned Clemson into. He grew as a head coach and just continued to, to get elite blue chip recruits. And the more you do that, the more you're not going to miss. The more you're going to get the results eventually. So that, I'm, I'm exact. I'm right there with you on on Mike, and I also would grade him. I don't know if I'd give him an incomplete because you know a lot of the guys he had to kick off were guys he recruited. I didn't give Travis yeah. Ford that kind of leniency. I'd probably give him a a C to this point. Uh, I think that's a fair, you know, middle of the road grade. That the great season with Cade, and then just he's been dealt a lot of stuff that you know you could argue was out of his control. You could also argue it was in his control. I mean, he, he, I mean, we all remember Lamont Evans was close to being named head coach. He was, Boynton was up there at the podium calling him a brother. Like a, a, he was like the brother he didn't have. Um, so I, I'm not saying Mike was privy to everything Lamont Evans was doing behind the scenes, but you know, I, I think it's, there's, there's fair arguments to be made that some of this was his own doing in terms of what, what naturally occurred as, as being the head coach and that, that ultimately fair or unfair falls at your feet, but I'm right there with you. I think you just let him keep recruiting. Obviously he has the support of the administration and the fan base. And I think we're on the same page. Well, and Carson, I think it's important that I acknowledge that I really like Mike Boynton and I try to be as objective and as non-biased in evaluating him as a head coach as I can. It, it's just, Carson, I really like the guy, and I really think that if you keep him at the, the head of Oklahoma State basketball for the next five years, you just let him, let him have it and let him do what he needs to do. 
I just have a hard time believing that that guy who speaks so eloquently every time he's in front of a microphone, who clearly has the pulse of his team. I mean, Texas Tech scored two points in the last 10 minutes of the final game so that they could go out and get a win playing for nothing more than pride. I, I just, I really like the guy. So I, I, I'm okay acknowledging that I try to evaluate him as objectively as I can, but I really like him. I really want him to be the head coach of Oklahoma State basketball for at least a few more years because I want to see what it could turn into under him. So I, I just acknowledging the, the little bit of bias that I probably have toward Mike Boynton because I, when, he, when he talks and when he says that he's building something there, I believe him and I want to see how it plays out. Yep, I'm right there with you. He's in on some big names already recruiting-wise and transfer portal-wise, so. I got to imagine he'll land some good players. It's just a matter of, of making it all work. And I, I think you do got to give Mike a lot of credit for the way they played down the stretch, particularly that win over Texas Tech. Because you're right, they, they, had not, they had literally nothing to play for. And they, you know, they boat raced Iowa State, and then they beat Texas Tech. They, they really played well down the stretch, knowing that their season was, was coming to an end, which is, again, just a crime, absolute crime by the NCAA. Uh, we do have some news on the women's basketball side. Jim Littell has mutually agreed to part ways from Oklahoma State with, with Chad Weiberg. Uh, Chad had some really nice quotes about Littell. And, and Colby, I actually got a question about Jim Littell's future on my for my solo pod. And I kind of posited that he'd be fine because he was, after all, the Big 12 Coach of the Year last year. <laughs> they made the NCAA tournament. He was a pretty consistent NCAA tournament coach. But um, I think this... To me, Colby, this is a sign that, you know, Chad Weiberg wants to – he's just like Mike Holder. He he wants to win at every sport, and he wants to win big. And I, I think I commend uh, Chad Weiberg for, you know, wanting to do better while also, you know, feeling a little bit for Coach Littell. He, he had a good run. First things first for Coach Littell. Round of applause, standing ovation for what he accomplished in his time at Oklahoma State. It, it was not easy to be Jim Littell in – you know, November of 2011. It was a hard time. It, it was a, a weird way to uh, to fall into that job. And for him to do what he did, for him to stabilize the program, the university being a leading force as everyone went through that, he was incredible. Um, he accomplished some good things on the court, like you said, conference coach of the year, some of that type of stuff. They had some really good teams in his time at Oklahoma State. And, you, you know, it was a good run. It doesn't have to be this bad, evil, sad thing whenever you move on from a coach. Jim Littell's time at Oklahoma State, it was good. Everybody loved Jim Littell. Jim Littell loved Oklahoma State. It was just time to move on, and, th and that's okay. That's where you get to sometimes in sports and collegiate athletics, but uh, I, I certainly do, and I think all Oklahoma State fans do and will for a long time appreciate and remember what Jim Littell did uh, and how professionally he handled things, and he'll always have a place in Stillwater. Yep, I think that's well said. Uh, great man, and again, took over in just the worst imaginable situation you could ever come up with. And I thought he did a really good job. And I'm interested to see which which direction uh, Chad Weiber goes. I mean, you just look down the road at OU. They hired Jenny Baranchek, who's crushing it. OU all of a sudden is a, a top 25 program. I think he'll try to make a similar type hire to where they're just right back there in the into the top 25 and, and competing in the Big 12. So that's uh, That'll be worth uh, worth watching for sure. I don't know if you saw this, Colby. Uh, Oklahoma State's busting out the checkbook. They're going to disperse annually $5,900 to all scholarship athletes. Comes on the heels of the Supreme Court decision, obviously, with, with NIL and everything. And uh, 
Could you use six grand when you were a college student? I definitely could have used six grand. I could have played a lot more golf with an extra six grand in my pocket. Uh, not that I needed to play more golf whenever I was in college. Carson, I think that this is great for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, I understand everybody's gotten a little up in arms about how wild the NIL deal has gotten. But when you see the tweets yesterday about the house that Lincoln Riley purchased in L.A., I, I think for me, at least, it puts a lot of the NIL stuff in perspective. I'm like, okay, for a long time, we've had coaches making Lincoln Riley money, buying houses like that in L.A. that are reserved for the super rich elites, celebrities of the world. And college athletes have been getting nothing. Now the NIL is getting a little bit crazy, but something like this, because Carson, this is women's soccer. This is track and field. This is, uh, you know, baseball, softball, men's golf, women's golf. This is all of it. And that to me is special and important because it's, it's at the discretion of the university, how much they give and who they give it to. They could have come out and said, yeah, we're going to give $5,900 a year to football and men's basketball. They absolutely could have said that. And there may be some universities who decide to do that, who don't have the financial ability to give it to all sports. But Carson, I think it really means a lot. And I think it's special that every sport is going to be getting it because uh, you know, track and field, men's and women's golf, tennis, soccer, all those sports, they work just as hard as football and basketball. So it's nice that they'll be rewarded as well. Yeah, I agree. This comes from the, uh, the Posse Star Fund that the OSU announced in a release. And, and I'm with you. I mean, that's kind of what you have to do. You have to give it, you know, across the board, every sport. And that's, that's certainly how it needs to be done. And I, I certainly understand those reasons. I just, I've always kind of thought that, you know, football, the football players, I think, get kind of the, the rawest into the deal when you consider that the football program itself is the one generating 90% of the revenue, maybe more than that for the, the entire university. So I would love to see the football players get extra benefits, but, you know, that's just, that's just how it goes. You got to do it evenly across the board, but I think it's just Colby. I, I just think it's a, a sign that Oklahoma state's changing with the times, you know, they, they're, I love the, the idea they have with their new streaming platform there. OSU has really become a, a very forward thinking institution and it was not that way for a very long time. I think it's just another example of that. Yeah, I think so too. Oklahoma state, like you said, has kind of been a trendsetter at the forefront of a lot of this stuff. And that's, I mean, that's not really Oklahoma state's MO historically. Oklahoma state has just kind of done its own thing and, you know, sat in the back of the class a little bit and just minded their own business. But now they're kind of starting, like I said, to be a trendsetter and um, do, doing some things that I think are progressing the athletic department as a whole. I think part of that is Mike Gundy. I mean, he's, he's the leader, right? He's the head football coach. He's been around forever and he has really embraced some of this new stuff. And he seems to have really turned a corner as far as getting himself into the, the even newer, even more modern era of collegiate athletics, which is NIL and recruiting videos and all this other stuff. And Oklahoma State has just kind of parlayed that into being at the forefront of a lot of other things, which I think is great for, for the university as a whole and the entire athletics department. Oh, it's awesome. I think it's a fantastic idea. I'm, I'm curious to see how it grows, you know, moving forward. Uh, it's, as I mentioned, it's 27 degrees outside. You don't really think of uh, spring football, but they did announce the spring football date for Oklahoma State. It'll be April 23rd, Colby, which is great. It's not on Masters weekend. No uh, cross. You don't have to worry about, you know, missing any of the spring game for, for Augusta. But 
Spring football is approaching, and Heartland College Sports wrote an interesting article by Brian Clinton about just three things to watch. I kind of want to go through these with you. Uh, just which which Spencer Sanders will we get in 2022 is his first one, and it's kind of been the summary of his entire career, uh, Colby. There's there's good Spencer, there's bad Spencer, and there's everything in between, and we, we saw a lot of good last year. I mean, he was named first team All-Big 12 for a reason. And then we saw the Baylor game, which was, you know, about as bad as it gets. <laughs> and then he turns it around, and just lights up Notre Dame. So it's, it's been a roller coaster career for him, a roller coaster season last year. How do you think coming into this year, he will evolve? And do you think we'll just see more of the same? Or do you think just the fact he's, he's now had a full couple seasons under his belt that, you know, he'll, he'll progress like we, we've seen other football players do at, at other positions? Yeah, I think there's actually three Spencers. I think there's good Spencer, there's bad Spencer, and there's Baylor Spencer. Because Baylor Spencer's <laughs> on another level. It's Baylor Spencer's not even bad Spencer. Baylor Spencer is just head spinning, wondering what's going on, Spencer. So hopefully that guy doesn't make an appearance next year. I, I think he'll continue to progress. I don't think all of a sudden he's going to be, I, I don't know, like he's not going to just be Patrick Mahomes and just be lighting the world on fire. But He's a good player, man. He was first team all big 12 for a reason. And I know that Baylor game in the big 12 championship really soured everybody on him, but it's a bad day against a, a great defensive team and a great defensive coach. And those things are going to happen. You, you hope that it won't be that bad. Carson, what I'm interested to see is, you know, in his career, he's had Thailand, he's had Tay, he's had kind of the big guy on the edge that, that you can lean on just kind of that safety blanket out there. We saw him go to Tay a ton in Bedlam, he, you know, he just has had that guy out there with Tay moving on is, is Brennan Presley out of the slot going to become that guy Is Spencer's middle of the field vision going to become better, or are we going to see him look to maybe a Jaden Bray and just absolutely wear that out on the outside? Also, I mean, does Taylor Shetron come in and get some minutes and get some snaps out there? I, it's, there's a lot to be seen at receiver, which I think impacts Spencer Sanders. But Carson, what I expect to see a lot more of next year from Spencer is designed runs. I mean, I think the Notre Dame game is the blueprint for Casey Dunn on how to call a game for Spencer Sanders. Carson, with no clear RB1, would it shock you if Spencer Sanders wound up being the leading rusher for Oklahoma State next year? Wow, that's quite a statement. I, I just... Again, I, I'm not ready to make that prediction yet because I'll see what it looks like coming out of the backfield at, at the start of the year. And, you know, you deal with injuries at that position when you run that guy a lot. But I, I just and, – and I don't want to have recency bias from the Notre Dame game, but that's the blueprint, right? That's what Spencer's good at. And I'm just thinking if it is running back by committee, if there are three guys splitting carries in the backfield and each one of them runs for 700 yards, that's awesome. That, that's great. But – I don't think it's crazy to think that Spencer could run for eight or 900 yards th this next season. I don't think it's crazy to have the, think he could have a couple of games where he runs for 120 or 130 yards if he can rip off a 30 or 40 yarder somewhere along the way. So I expect his feet and his legs to be a lot bigger part of the equation next year. I really do. Love to see it. I, I think that's a, a great way to expand the offense like we did see in the Notre Dame game. I, I would like to see him used kind of like Ole Miss used Matt Corral who's a very similar stature uh, to Spencer. He's not some big Cam Newton type quarterback, but he ran for 600 yards last year. He ran for 500 the year before that ran for 11 touchdowns last year. Uh, I'm totally with you. And I I've been critical of that, of the offense of that. Anytime Spencer's in shotgun, I'm 
I'm running zone read slash RPO. Whether it's running the football or throwing, he is faking or handing it off to a running back because that just keeps that weak side defensive end honest. And it's just it's just a base play. I'm doing it every down almost if I'm in shotgun. You remember, I keep bringing this up too. I brought this up on the show many times. Remember when Vince Young was at Texas? Every single snap, he, he would turn and fake hand to the running back, no matter if he was running it, the running back was, or they were throwing it. That was just, it's just an extra layer every single play that the defense has to account for with a guy that's that mobile. So I would, I would love to see them incorporate that. I do worry about the injury. You kind of touched on it a little bit. Spencer's had so many injuries throughout his career. He's just, he's just, a, he's just a slight build. And you run a guy like that, just one little tweaked ankle can – can really disrupt your season or, you know, broken finger or things of that nature. So that's, that's something you got to worry about though. Yeah, it is. And and hopefully Spencer at this point in his career, look, inevitably you're going to take some hits here and there, but just minimize those as much as possible. You know, one extra yard in the second quarter isn't worth that hit. Go ahead and get on the ground. And, and that's, you got to trust your guy. You got to trust him to to see it and to make the right call and to get on the ground when he needs to and hopefully avoid those injuries because that would definitely be a big concern. But I, I just think you call the offense as best you can call it. And, you know, sometimes guys get hurt playing football, but you, you don't design your game around that. You call the best game for your talent and what they're good at. And what he's good at is making people think about his legs, which opens it up through the air. So I hope to see more of that. Yep, me too. I'm also excited to see uh... – new defensive coordinator, Derek Mason, uh, in the spring game. Obviously, a lot of names to replace there. Malcolm Rodriguez had a pretty good combine, by the way, Cole. He ran about a, a 4-5-40. Um, obviously, we knew he's going to run well because he's he's not the biggest linebacker, but got to replace him and a, just a host of, of guys on defense. Are you looking forward to seeing what, what Derek Mason's able to do in the spring game, just how different it looks? Yeah, absolutely I am. And, you know, a, a spring game, they're going to be rotating guys through, so I don't know exactly how much we'll learn there, but – just like they talk about here in this uh, this story, I mean, the guys you're replacing on defense, Malcolm Rodriguez, Trey Sterling, Jared Bernard Converse, Colby Harvell Peel, Christian Holmes, Tanner McAllister, Israel Antoine. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that have to be replaced. And like you said, Malcolm had a great combine score. They, they actually uh, narrow it all down into athleticism scores. Like they rank them on everything they do and give out athleticism scores. And only one linebacker at the combine had a higher linebacker score than Malcolm Rodriguez is 92. A guy named Troy Anderson was 93. Uh, so it's a great combine for Malcolm Rodriguez. I still think losing Malcolm Rodriguez, losing Devin Harper, that's going to hurt in the middle of that defense. But again, Derek Mason was a great hire. And hopefully, you know, you don't want to say keep it going without missing a beat. There might be a beat or two missed because you lost some of the best defenders in school history off the best defense in school history. But uh, to even stay in the top two to three of the conference and continue to be a good third down defense, continue to put pressure on the quarterback because you've got guys who can do that, just great individual players, utilizing those guys as best as possible with Colin Oliver and Trace Ford and some of the other guys up front. Uh, yeah, I, I like Oklahoma State's chances to have a really solid defense once again, and I can't wait to see what Derek Mason does with it. It'll be exciting. It's been a long time since we've looked forward to the defense when it comes to the spring game, but I think we're there just because that was obviously the strength of the team. And uh, another thing I'm looking at is running back. Obviously, Jalen Warren's a big loss, massive loss, probably the biggest loss on the team, in my opinion, uh, even more so, I think, than you know, Engel, any single defensive player. I think the, the totality of the losses on defense is, is greater, but just as far as one player, I would argue Jalen Warren was their offense. And so we're going to get to see a lot of faces, you know, 
they got Dominic Richardson back. Jaden Nixon came in there at the end of the year. Guy I'm looking at is Ollie Gordon. I'm, I'm saying it. I think he's going to end up being – now, not initially because Mike just – he's not a big fan of playing freshman at the running back position. Uh, he did play Justice Hill as a freshman, so there, there is some, some precedence there. I think he'll give some of the older guys a shot, namely a Dominic Richardson, because that's how Mike does things, and I, I don't necessarily think that's wrong. But I think Ollie Gordon's going to be tough to keep off the field just based on what I've seen. Yeah, you've been really high about Ollie Gordon in the offseason. And, and look, again, we're waiting for that guy, right? Uh, I mean, last year we kind of thought it was LD Brown. It didn't really end up working out. Desmond Jackson at times did some good things, but wasn't necessarily the the stud, the star. And then Jalen Warren emerged, and Jalen Warren was that guy. And you get him for one year, and you hope he goes to the NFL and has a ton of success. But now you're looking for that next guy. I don't know if it's Dominic Richardson or Jaden Nixon. I really don't know. We haven't seen enough from those guys. It could be Ollie Gordon. And this Carson, this conversation that we're having right now, Carson, is why I don't think it's crazy to think that Spencer could lead the team in rushing because I think we could see a situation where Dominic Richardson, Jaden Nixon, and Ollie Gordon all get carries, and Mike Gundy ends up having to do what Mike Boynton has had to do this year. You ride the hot hand. I mean, give, give guys a series, see who's hot that day, see who's heat, seeing the holes and, and making it happen and go with that guy. So it, it very much could be a running back by committee next year for Oklahoma State. Now that's one way for your, your prop to hit is if they play three guys all year and then Spencer yep. probably would be the leading rusher. <laughs> that's yep. one way to do it. Yeah, and, and who knows with, uh, with Dominic Richardson and Jaden Nixon. I'm very curious on Nixon because I think he could be a good player, but we didn't see a lot from him last year. So maybe this will be a breakout year for him. Uh, time for bullets and BBs, Colby. Uh, what do you got for me this week on uh, bullets? On bullets, Carson, I'm going to give my bullet to Mylan and Candace. Mylan is a listener of ours here on the pod, and they just welcomed a new little cowgirl to the world. Uh, beautiful little baby girl, Hollis Ann. So congratulations to them. The reason I know this, Carson, is because Candace actually works with my wife, Dana. Uh, they had no idea that that he was a listener of our podcast. They threw them a joint baby shower at work last week. And I guess Candace went home and was telling her husband about the joint baby shower and said, yeah, the, uh, the other girl who's having a baby, they actually moved theirs up a week to avoid the masters. And Mylan as a podcast listener said, wait, is her last name Powell figured out that they work together and that he listens to the podcast. Uh, so I wanted to give them a shout out, shout out to Mylan and Candace. He sent me some pictures of Hollis, beautiful baby girl, uh, another cowgirl added to the family, Carson. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, when, when's your wife do again? Remind me. Uh, April 2nd is when we're inducing. So we are three weeks and one day away from welcoming another little cowgirl into the world. Sounds good, man. Uh, let's see here. Who do I got for, for bullets? Let's see here. Oh yeah. I'm going with Lindy waters, man. I mean, uh, gets called up to the Oklahoma city thunder from the Oklahoma city blue after spending some time in, in Enid, I believe is where he was playing. And yeah. Scored 16 points against the Great Freak and the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, the Thunder keep losing, but just what a what a testament to perseverance for Lindy Waters. I mean, obviously wasn't drafted, goes that route, uh, just has taken every opportunity that he's been given and, and run with it. And the fact that he's he started for the Oklahoma City Thunder for a kid from Norman, uh, obviously a Native American as well, being from the state of Oklahoma, just a tremendous representative of Oklahoma state. And I tell you what, Colby, I mean, 
he can shoot the three ball. And if you can, if you can prove that you can shoot the three ball at, at the NBA level, there's going to be a place for you on a roster. So I don't, well, I don't think he's going to be in their long-term plans for Oklahoma city. It's, it's still a really cool story. Yeah. It's a great story. He had a nice block the other night. I was watching some highlights. I saw him get up and reject somebody at the rim going in for a dunk. And I, I was actually having this conversation with my dad the other day, Carson, the thunder really need to be losing games and they've got guys like Lindy waters out there just balling. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I mean, the thunder are winning games whenever that's not the plan, but you've got a bunch of guys like Lindy Waters who are playing for their careers. They are playing for the opportunity to be on rosters and those guys play hard and they get after it and they might not be as talented as whatever's on the other side, but they're going to give you absolutely everything they've got. And Lindy's one of those guys, Carson. I've been really impressed uh, watching some of the things that he's done over the last few weeks, because again, from Enid outlaws to Oklahoma city thunder, Carson, that doesn't happen. Oh, <laughs> that literally is, seems impossible. I, I can't imagine how far from the NBA you'd feel playing in, in that Enid league. But again, just he got a shot with the Oklahoma City Blue and, and really lit it up there and is doing great with uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. So that's, that's really cool to see. Uh, what do you got for me on uh, BBs? This one's easy, Carson. It's the NCAA and the Big 12, Oklahoma State, no postseason basketball. Carson, I have not watched. I didn't watch any of the Big 12 basketball yesterday. I don't know if I'll watch any today. The players is under rain delay the rest of the day. Maybe I'll turn it over there and, and catch the end of a game. But I just I have no desire to watch this Big 12 tournament with Oklahoma State being disallowed uh, to participate over some nonsense from six years ago. I just the whole thing to me, it, it feels weird and it just, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. I had no interest in turning it on yesterday. I couldn't tell you who won and who lost. It's just, I'm out, man. I'm out on, on postseason college basketball right now. We'll, we'll see if I feel differently next week after I fill out a bracket. But right now I'm just very down on the whole thing and uh, very disappointed that the university that I love and the program that I cheer for is, is not allowed to participate uh, over some nonsense. So it's going to the NCAA and the Big 12. Might start calling it instead of BB's, just the NCAA award for the week. <laughs> who's who stinks the most? Yeah. Uh, my BB, I don't know if you saw this list from the Athletics. Stuart Mandel wrote it. Um, let's see here. Yeah, it's the top 25 coaches in all of college football. And, and again, I, I think Stuart Mandel does a good job. I think he gets a lot of flack, as most national guys do. But I just, I couldn't help but notice that. Mike Gundy wasn't in his top 25 last year, which is crazy. And this year he has Mike at 12 behind Lane Kiffin, who's 11th, and Jeff Munkin from Army, who's 10th. Which, and again, I, again, I think Stu does a good job. It's just, it's a reflection of how the national media just doesn't really give Mike enough credit. They don't really understand what he's done. I think Mike's done a really good job, as I've mentioned during and before and after the bowl game at, at what Oklahoma state's become over the last decade, uh, citing all of the wins, all of the records that they are, you know, top 10 in the country and wins and things of that nature. But it's just, it's another example because Mike is going in the hall of fame. I don't think people talk about that or realize that, but he's absolutely going to be a hall of fame coach. And he ranks, and what really reflects this is Kyle Whittingham is sitting there at seventh. And I think Kyle Whittingham and Mike Gunny are two of the longest remaining tenured coaches in college football. I think Kyle Whittingham's an excellent coach. He does an 
unbelievable job at Utah. But why is he seven and Mike Gundy is 12? Because they have nearly identical career records. Whittingham is 144 and 70. Gundy's a little better at 149 and 69. They both have one conference title. But Whittingham coaches at Utah and Mike Gundy coaches at Oklahoma State. It's not as if Whittingham's sitting there at some blue blood. I just think that that direct comparison right there, two identical resumes uh, and the difference in ranking behind Lane Kiffin is just a joke. And the Munkin guy does a good job at Army, but let's be honest, he's a coach at Army. I just, people don't give Mike enough credit. It's, it's unbelievable. It's almost like they just assume that, oh, well, it's, it's Oklahoma State and he's in the Big 12 and it's probably – you know, it's, it's, he's done a good job, but like, this has not ever happened in the history of Oklahoma state. Like you can argue about, I think people may look at the, the donation from Boone Pickens and the stadium and just say, Oh, well, it's that. But I just, I keep Colby. We see these lists time and time again. And Mike just does not get the proper amount of, of respect. And it's, it's crazy. No, he absolutely doesn't. The Lane Kiffin thing is, I don't even know if a joke laughable. I'm, I mean, jokes are funny, right? Jokes are funny. People enjoy jokes. Nobody enjoys seeing Lane Kiffin ranked ahead of Mike Gundy on the best coaches in college football list. It makes no sense. The Kyle Whittingham comparison, I think, is a pretty good one. You know, Utah was at a lower level for a long time. Now Utah uh, in, in the Pac-12 and doing some good things. And Kyle Whittingham's a great coach. So is Mike Gundy. Uh, um, he's absolutely a top 10 coach in the country. And hopefully at some point he'll start to get his due. Carson, do you think any of it is the fact that Oklahoma State, you, you know, they have the the great season in 2011, win the Fiesta Bowl. The great season last year, 2021, win the Fiesta Bowl. In between, there were a lot of good seasons. There were a lot of 10-win seasons. But Oklahoma State hasn't put together like back-to-back or back-to-back-to-back seasons where you're in a New Year's Six Bowl, you're competing for your conference championship, and, and you're at the top of college football. I, I think if Oklahoma State could have another season where they play in the Big 12 championship game and play in a New Year's Six Bowl, I think if you can stack two of them on top of each other, that would make, get Mike Gundy some more of the national recognition that he's due. Because I think in this state, people recognize what a great job he's done and the consistency that he's had for a long time. But nationally, I think people look for you to be in those big New Year's games year in and year out. So whenever you do it and then you go away for four years and then you do it again, even if in those four years that you're away, you're winning nine or 10 games and and going to the Alamo bowl, people don't care as much about that. They don't care as much about the consistency, about the fact that Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state Carson has been to a bowl game every year since like 2006. People don't care about that. So uh, nationally, he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Hopefully Oklahoma state can continue uh, to sustain some success and get Mike Gundy the credit that he's due. I think you make a good point there. Like he won 10 games, double digit wins, like five out of seven years, but the ones he didn't, they were kind of down. They were, you know, seven, seven win type type teams going to the, you know, the heart of Dallas bowl, things like that. And the year they had Rudolph and Washington, they, they really struggled losing, losing three home games that kind of derailed a lot of momentum uh, to nationally. So that that's probably part of it. I think a lot of it's just, People don't watch the Big 12, uh, and they couldn't get past Oklahoma for so long, so no one really took them serious. I think that's that's probably most of it. I think people don't really even realize what Mike's record is and and how successful he's been. So, again, I don't, I don't get too triggered by coaching lists. And, I, again, I think Stuart Mandel does a good job. It's just you can't rake the guy behind Lane Kiffin and, and Jeff Munkin. I'm sorry. That's, that's egregious.
No, I'm completely in agreement. That doesn't make any sense. And I also think Stuart Mandel does a pretty good job. I think sometimes maybe these lists are artificial in, in a way, tweaked to, to generate headlines and get people fired up. I don't know. I mean, I think Stuart Mandel does a pretty good job. I just, I just don't agree at all, like you said, with uh, Lane Kiffin being higher. And Jeff Monken, like you said, does a great job. But that competition level is just different. I mean, you're not running the system that they run at Army in any major conference. You're not doing that. It's not going to work. You're not going to sustain success over time. I just, I don't know. I think Mike Gundy absolutely is a top 10 coach in the country. Yep, I'm with you. Anything else before we need to get out of here, Colby? Uh, don't believe so. I think that's pretty much it. Everybody enjoy the the Big 12 tournament if you're watching. The Players' Championship hopefully will resume, will resume at some point, Carson. It is an absolute lake right now in Ponte Vitra. Yeah, it's, it, they might finish on, like, Wednesday, the way this is going. I still think they're going to get done Monday, but I think a whole lot of golf is going to be played. There are going to be guys tomorrow playing 36, Sunday playing 36, and maybe even, you, you know, 27 more or something on Monday, depending on how the waves shake out. There's going to be a lot of golf played the next three days. I haven't made a one-and-done pick in, like, four or five weeks. Oh, we haven't. Who'd you pick this week? I took Rom. Oh, look at us. I mean, between uh, Scott Drew and John Rom, we are pretty much in lockstep. That who you took? That's who I took. John Rom was my guy this week. I figured uh, coming off a couple of down weeks, you might get him in a little lower ownership percentage. And he's just kind of due, right? He's the number one player in the world. He's won once in the last 18 months. The guy's due. Dad said you hadn't made any picks in like weeks on, on our one and done league that we're in. Um, I missed the cutoff on that one. I was in Red River whenever I had to send over the Venmo and I forgot about it because I was skiing. So I missed the cutoff. So I got booted from that one, but I was in two. So now I'm only in one because I screwed up in that one. That's a uh, egg on my face. Big time. I uh, gotcha. Yep. Well, yeah. I mean, the purse is so big. I mean, what? 3 million to first, 2 million to second. I mean, you might as well burn a big guy. So uh, Rom was the one I was most confident in. So I went with that. Yeah, I love it. 3.6 to first, by the way. Crazy. Good eating. Maybe Golf Channel will be paying you that eventually. Again, congratulations <laughs> on the new gig. And uh, Colby, we'll get back with you next week. Thanks, Carson. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe in this snow. Go Pokes.